Welcome to the audio podcast for Saturday Night Life. SNL is a ministry of Northwood Church, and our hope is that this will be a tool that blesses and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you want to learn more about Northridge Church or SNL, you can visit us at nrchurch.ca or join us for Saturday Night Life at 7 p.m. on Saturday evenings. Until we meet, be blessed and enjoy the word for this evening. Yes, Allison, you can have a seat. Um, welcome, everybody. Um, I've been here the whole time. I was just sitting at the back. And one of the things that um, I heard a couple of times, I was like, where is everybody today? So for those of you at home, quiet night tonight and I think it's it's worth talking about it because I'll tell you what happens in my head sometimes or it happens less often in my head head now than it, it once did because um, I think there's been a shift and when it comes to weekend services and gathering um, I've started to call them celebration services because we celebrate who's here and I'll tell you why that's important because I, I believe that each of you is here for a reason. We were actually just having a conversation. Yeah, you can clap for that. Um, we were having a conversation just before the service about, uh, and sorry if this is a little bit rough and triggering, but about overdoses and sharing, sharing some stories. And, and it kind of made me think, man, if you've survived that many close calls, what do you think God's got for you left to do still? Why, why are you still here? And I think the same question can be asked about this group of people in this place right now. Why? Why are you here? Why? What is the purpose of you being here today right now? And make no mistake, I believe there is a reason. And you are a curated list or roster of people that are meant to be here in this moment, in this place. And same thing, I, I, I know technology seems like this very sterile barrier but even those of you who are watching right now live i've seen a couple of you on the screen um, or who will watch after um, there's something happening in this moment in this place i think we can't miss out on because we're looking around going oh but this person's not here today or this person's not here today let's celebrate who's here and and be pay attention to the fact that you're here and there's some reason for i i'm excited for you in just a few minutes i'm going to be uh introducing Somebody you probably know as the donut guy, the guy who brings the, the Tim Hortons every week, uh, but he's a lot more than that. He's going to share a bit of his story, and he's got a word for us tonight. Um, but one of the guys who often will preach on a Saturday night is not with us for a good reason. Uh, I don't know if you're watching right now or if you'll watch later. He could still be very groggy, but Steve um, had his surgery uh, to have the tumor removed yesterday. Um, just so that you're aware, I hope I'm not sharing too much gossip, Steve. I'm busted now because you're probably watching. Um, uh, they had the surgery, and after the surgery, he started to swell um, quite a bit more than they would have expected, so he had to go back in, and they had to do a little extra work. So my last report from him, I think it was this morning, was that he's sore and he's groggy, but the swelling is way better than it was, and so, yeah, he's, he's doing better. And so... Um, I know he loves you guys and wishes he was here, um, and we love you, Steve, and wish you were here, and we're praying for you. In fact, we're going to pray right now, um, but there's one other thing I wanted to pray about. Actually, we'll pray in just a second, because I've got one more announcement, because I want to pray for Mino as well. Um, one more announcement for, to all you women here tonight. Uh, I think it's important. Yeah, mom's like, I'm a woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scarlett, listen to this. This is for you. Um, 
tomorrow night there is a women's event and I don't know how well you know Andy Faulkner she is uh, the first lady of Foursquare she's uh, Steve Faulkner's wife um, a New Zealander who is a, a brilliant preacher and just a, a wonderful woman and she's speaking tomorrow night at the women's event and uh, you're all invited um, no cost don't have to pre-register just show up come ready to be blessed am I right all, all women yeah and and we're not going to get into the debate as to what qualifies you as a woman just you know all right uh, the women are invited tomorrow night all right I want to pray and I want you to pray with me uh, for Steve the other thing I want to pray about um, Andrew who normally does the announcements um, mentioned that there's some sickness at the house on Oxford and so that's why he's not here and a couple of guys aren't here um, we can pray for them and let's pray for Mino pray blessing on him as he comes and blesses us let's pray Father, we thank you for this time to gather. And again, we know we come underneath the King of Kings, Lord Lords, the one who knows the beginning from the end. And you have divinely orchestrated this moment, this evening. And so, Father, whatever you have for us, we know that it is good, and we come ready to receive. We're thankful that you have this for us. We're thankful for Mina. We're thankful for his life. Uh, he knows the answer to the question, why has he been saved out of the things that he's been saved from? He's been saved to do what he's doing tonight, to bring the word, to testify to your, your goodness and your glory. Lord, we, we pray for Steve, who, who blesses us so regularly with the word. Um, Lord, we pray that you give him peace, that he would just be able to rest, and that you would do a work in his body. You would heal him up, and he'd be as good as new. Pray for those at the, the house in Oxford and whoever else has been touched by sickness, Lord. Bless them, heal them, bring them back to us soon. And we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So you, most of you know we would normally have a slide up here that says Matthew because we preach very intentionally through the book of Matthew. Um, tonight we're taking a break. And everyone said this is probably, this is the third time you know we've had you come in and preach. Yeah. And so we're taking a little bit of a break. And Mino's going to bring a word to us, uh, for us tonight, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, this is a man of God who's got a word from God for you tonight. So be blessed, and come on up. One up here? Yep. I can put it where you want. Is this good? Or even higher? There you go. Good, good, good. All right, here's Mino Pavlik. Thank you. Oh, man. No, not for me. with the lights because I can't see you. So, but uh, before I begin, I just want to say that uh, all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. For without his mercy and grace stepping into my life, I definitely wouldn't be here tonight. It's a privilege, and it's one that I'm so unworthy of because I'm not really polished or educated, but you can rest assured about one thing when it comes to things of God, I try to do my best because he's been so very good to me. Amen? I'd like to thank also uh, Pastor David for his vote of confidence in asking me to stand behind this pulpit once again and to bring to you what I believe is a powerful word of God. My friends, if you would just grab a hold of and put into practice the principles I'm about to share with you, not only will it bless your life, it'll bless your walk with Jesus. Now, my message tonight is not just for those that 
come, come in the doors for the very first time, my message is also for those that been walking the Christian path for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Everybody gets blessed tonight. Amen? My uh, scripture, I'm going to read from, uh, actually, I'll just tell you right off the bat that I'm going to speak to you tonight on the, the grace of God, and it's so important in our life. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, and uh, I shouldn't apologize, but I apologize that I read from the King James Bible, but I know pastor's going to put the, the living translation up. Hebrews 11 and 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether where he was even going. That is very interesting. Now, our Christian walk, above anything else, it's one of faith. It's also full of uh, adventure, the unknown, and there'll be plenty of that, the unknown. It's full of surprises, disappointments, and successes. But, but our uh, faith is always going forward, even when going into the unknown can be a very scary proposition at times. But... Uh, as our faith in God grows, it keeps us moving forward. Amen? Like, uh, many know that I've never wanted anything greater than beyond sharing my testimony. Actually, I, I do the prison ministry. I've been doing that for 12 years now. I go to three different prisons. That's fantastic. And it's really fantastic because I've spent 14 years of my life in prison. So, so it's a very big honor for me. But uh, I never wanted nothing above sharing my testimony, which on, on its own merits speaks volumes as to the majesty and greatness of God working in my life. I've been in the prison ministry a lot. And uh, for the first three years, I just zipped through my testimony. And I felt like, man, am I on a roll? This is great. Until one day, I felt like, Scud missiles are hitting me. One of our team, he challenged me, and he said, uh, I'd like you to come out of your comfort zone and bring other messages of hope to the men behind the bars. Well, this literally terrified me because it's always uncomfortable going into the unknown, okay? And many times in delivering my messages to inmates, I could tell by the look on their faces, uh, they're going, well, when's he going to get to the good part? And I always tell them, I'm on it right now because, my friends, there's nothing greater than mercy, grace, and faith in your life, okay? Many times, uh, 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 imagine that, though, what I just said, because imagine that, that uh, dying people in a sinful world can be forgiven and saved that the guilty can be pardoned, that the dirty can be washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and that the, uh, that the empty and the hurting lost can be found and filled with an everlasting joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. Praise God. Always remember, when God calls you out, he's always faithful that not if, but when, you find us when we find ourselves in the middle of a storm, 
he will always bring us out, okay? For we never walk this journey alone. God is always with us, and as a result, the Christian walk is a continual revelation of God's grace and mercy working in and through our lives. I want to talk to you on God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace ye are saved through faith that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Verse 9 says, Not of works, least any man should boast. I don't know how many years and how many times I've always wanted to pose for a picture, okay? But when it comes to things of God, he'll never share his glory with anyone and either he gets his picture taken or no one does, you know? And, and that's clearly seen in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. It tells us, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praises to a graven image. It's a very, we got to give thanks to God for everything, you know? No matter, no matter what we're going through, as long as we know he's on our side, he gets the glory. But basically, uh, we're not saved by grace alone. Faith in God must always be attached to the equation. Grace, grace is God's escape route to us through the storms of our lives as it offers us a bridge over troubled waters. And, however, it's the strength of our faith in Jesus Christ that determines when and how we're going to cross that bridge. None of us are really entitled to or worthy of God's grace, but his mercy extends it to us through our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I'm just going to quickly say Joshua 24 and 2. The last sentence tells us that Abraham was an idol worshiper. Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, Abraham, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. But I absolutely love verse 3. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed, and I gave him Isaac. Four powerful powerful statements of grace right from the throne of God. I took him, I led him, I multiplied him, and I gave him the promise of seed, the promised seed. Everything that Abraham got, also everything that Mino got, was a, a result of God's mercy and grace through our faith, okay? There you have it in a nutshell. Jesus is greater and then your past greater than anything you might be presently facing. And most importantly, he's got the power, the ultimate power to change and transform your life into something great if you'd only allow him in. And that's a fact. It took me a long time to learn that myself. Now, before God's call, Abraham lived in a pagan land, which is to say, it was a very ungodly place, kind of like some of us where we grew up. I know most of my life I was in that land. Genesis eleven twenty eight tells us that he lived in the city of Ur, and Chaldees was the country. The reason I like the King James because sometimes 
sometimes you gotta figure things out there because we'll find little golden nuggets that we'd never see before. But when you think about it, Ur means place of flames. Chaldees, the country, means a place of destruction. And this clearly tells us that when the grace of God found Abraham, he was in the flames in a place of destruction. And many of us today find ourselves in the very same place, you know. Those that have heard my testimony or read my book know that I was once deep in the fire, entrenched in a lifestyle of self-destruction. My friends, I'm here to tell you, you don't need to have everything right in your life for you to experience the, the grace and mercy of God. For 25 years, I lived a life of crime. I spent 14 years of my life in prison. I battled alcohol and drug addiction for 33 years. And before my life could get any better, it first had to get worse. As a result, the share of needles in 1995, I contracted HIV, and in 1997, I was told for the first time that I was in the process of slowly dying from AIDS. Talk about having no hope. Literally, I was heading full speed to an eternal damnation. Never in a million years could you have ever convinced me that one day I'd be ministering to prison inmates or that I would be standing behind a pulpit as I am now today. But you know, God, God, he, he's the God of the impossible. You know, we, we can never just uh, dismiss anything. Eighteen years ago, when I got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, I didn't have a clue what God's presence was going to cost me or what he wanted me to do, okay? All I knew is that I was worshiping all kinds of idols out in that world, okay? I was uh, a rebel, empty, and very unhappy, and I desperately needed something to step in and change my life and guess what? Along came grace. Not that I deserved it, but there it is. The door was open. The great, and it is the greatest gift I've ever known. Amen. When your desire for change outweighs everything else in life, in that moment when you call upon God, you just gave him permission to be in your life what he is in his own. And he will take you places beyond your wildest expectations, and I'm living proof of that. But the only thing that could stop that, and I say it always kindly, is your own lack of motivation or your expectation. We should always have an expectation for the miraculous. I believe that. Now, there is no record that God ever dealt with Abraham on the grounds of doctrine, dress code, abstinence. He didn't guilt him about his present lifestyle nor push any rules or regulations on him. Abraham's story, as is our own, is a perfect picture of where faith meets grace. Amen. Genesis 31, uh, 
1131 and 32, uh, and Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abraham's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there, and the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, this whole story is going to unfold. I'm going to unfold it to you. But uh, it's very interesting because Canaan had always been Abraham's goal. Now, as I said just a while ago, there's always powerful nuggets to receive from any story in the Bible. You just have to be willing to go deeper than the surface. For the scripture says they went as far as Haran. Watch this one now. Do you know what Haran means? It, it means a place that's parched, dry, and fruitless. And that's exactly where partial obedience with God will always leave us. Abraham was told to go into Canaan, but stop 400 miles north of it in Haran. And yes, there's a good reason for this. It's just amazing when I, when I first read this, it was a man's name, Terah, Abraham's father. Terah means delay. They spent five and a half years there, and there's no biblical record of one prayer for Abraham in all that time that they spent there. There was never one altar built, but more importantly, not one visitation from God. Was Abraham saved from the flame and destroyed? Of course he was that. Well, what's the deal then? He's in park, right? As, as, because of disobedience, he's in park. Now, uh, I'd like to, because uh, I guess since I'm here, I might as well say it, but uh, the next words come from Stephen in his defense against the Sanhedrin in Acts. So we're going from uh, chapter 12 in Genesis. Now, now we're in Acts, the book of Acts. Just, he says, uh, Acts chapter 7, 2, 3, and 4, he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our, our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon. And he said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show you. Now, what a powerful statement of fact. I like how he says that the glory of God appeared to Abraham. Well, when? When did it appear? When he was in the land of the ungodly, worshiping idols, worshiping images, serving other gods. Charan is New Testament for Haran. So before Haran, they were idol worshipers, Yet in the land of the doomed, God appeared to Abraham in the form of visit visitation. You'll never find any record of this in Genesis because it was a revelation given to Stephen by the Holy Ghost while he preached. That's amazing when I think about it because we did read Genesis 11, right? And it didn't say nothing about this. Now, we have to be careful for our godless relatives or friends are no help to us on our journey to be like Jesus. Watch this now. The scripture says, Terah took 
Abraham and stopped in Haran. God, God never said one word to Terah. He said it to Abraham, and he was very precise in his instruction. He said, get away from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house. Now, why would he say that? Let's always remember, God knows the beginning from the end. He knew, get away from your dad because he's going to delay what I got in store for you. Now, therefore, it stands to reason that Abraham definitely shared God's visitation with his dad, who right away, he saddled up the mule, loaded, loaded the wagon up like the Beverly Hillbillies and told the family, let's go, we're going on a journey. But they stopped 400 miles of the goal, okay? Many will easily say, well, you know what? I don't have anyone named Tira in my life. Oh yeah, we all do. It can be a person, a habit, an attitude, or even a lifestyle. And they all keep us from becoming what God wants us to be. You know what? If you would just allow God to be what he wants to be in your life, who knows where you would be six months from now. Like, but we're going to unfold all of this. The best of us, we lie to everyone, myself included, we lie to everyone, especially to ourselves, in claiming that we have a wonderful salvation experience, yet all the while we remain in park, dry, parched, fruitless in Haran. When God calls us out, he expects. He don't demand, but he expects. Why would he expect us to be separated from things of the world? Because it's pleasing to him, and basically our goal is we want to be like Jesus, and it'd be nice to please him once in a while for all the things he does for us. When we walk with God in faith, we're actually walking in the dimension of progressive separation. Some can go five miles per hour, while others go 30 toward that separated goal. Now, separation is all about breaking the familiar cycles in your life. When the Israelites wanted to go and worship God in the wilderness, Pharaoh, imagine that, Pharaoh said, hey, go for it, that's fantastic, but just leave your cattle or leave your kids, okay? In the same way, the devil likes to keep his hold on us, so we'll have to also come back. I love the response of Moses, for even if the Hebrew nation didn't get it, Moses all too well understood the shackles, the shackles of their Egyptian bondage. Imagine saying these words now to the Pharaoh. Exodus 10, 26, well, our cattle shall also go with us. There shall not be, not even one hoof left behind, you know? He said, for thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, as we don't know with what we must serve him until we get there. So he was just covering his bases. He's taking everything and everybody. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell us today. Separate yourselves from anything and everything that could draw us back to the dungeons that we've been delivered from. And when I think of that, I, I just... Sometimes I want to cry at night, you know. I'm going like, when I think back on my life, where I came from and where I should have been, because I always tell people, either right now I'd be doing a life bit, or I would have been dead a long time ago. 
but uh, consider this. If plants are to grow to be strong and fruitless, fruitful, they have to be transplanted. If wine is going to lose its bitterness, its sourness, it has to be re-poured over and over and over again until it's separated so it doesn't settle on its bitter leaves, okay? If an eaglet is to learn the beauty and majesty of what it's like to soar through the air, it has to be separated from the nest. If mankind is to learn of spiritual principles and truth, we have to separate ourselves from the material world. It just stands to reason, you know, because as long as we got a phone ringing or the TV's blaring or this going, you ain't going to pay attention to the spiritual. And I'm just saying this because I beat myself up over this a lot over the last 18 years. Now, for me, sanctification is basically all about a multiple funerals, burials, and judgments on my flesh, okay? Because I, I, I always cry out, and I say, Tira, I'm going to bury you again tonight. You've kept me parched, dry, and fruitless in heron long enough. You've got to go. Now, only, only we ourselves know what's holding us back, you know? We are, we are walking by grace, by the grace of God, into a dimension of separation. I continually, me, I continually search my heart, all the while asking Jesus to show me what hinders me from being what I ought to be for you, Lord. What am I allowing in my life that's holding me back right now, you know? Now, this is like a revelation to me. There's always a tira in our life. Make no mistake about that. And just like Abraham, we will remain dry, parched, and fruitless in Haran until we bury it. And to prove that point, Scripture tells us that when Abraham buried Terah, the voice of the Lord spoke to him once again, and he then moved toward the goal, Canaan. I look at it this way. There should be a greater glimmer of hope in my soul today than there was 18 years ago. It's got nothing to do with me having more Holy Ghost, because in these last 18 years, I've willingly been in more sanctifications, had countless funerals, and buried more of myself along this journey. Amen? I want to ask everybody in the sanctuary tonight something, myself included, and only you know the answer. Are you progressing? in your walk with, with God? Are you enjoying your newfound salvation or are you parched and dry and barren? Very questions we need to answer ourselves. Now, if you're still the same, I can only encourage you with three little words. Dig that grave tonight. Dig that grave. Put on a funeral this evening 
if it's a secret sin, if it's an unbridled passion or a desire, that grave. If there's something your emotion, spirit, or mind has indulged in for many years, dig the grave. It could be a habit, a practice, or an unforgiving spirit. And that's a bad one, really. But we need to bury these things. If we don't, we'll stay chained to the dock. Because you'll, you'll only experience the goodness of God when you go out into the deep end. So we don't want to stay chained to the dock. Oh, I'm just doing great. No, no. There's so much more in store for us. And uh, just like that eagle, we're going to, because he says, we're going to come out of our trial like on the wings of an eagle, you know. But, but he goes like this. He says, uh, something I talk about before, uh, the must of miracles. Sometimes we have to do what only we can do. And then God will step in and do what only he can do. But it works this way, you first, you know. Sometimes God, he expects a little, and I'm glad we all did that today. I was watching every one of you, but when we're worshiping, God expects a little performance before the promise. You know, you got to expect it that way, you know. What I was going to say, I hope that this message has in some way touched your hearts, and only you can decide what needs to be buried in your life. Like I said, I've come a long way. The journey's been fantastic. I wouldn't trade this. You know what? Tell you the truth, this is the best drunk I've ever been on, and I would never trade that for nothing. You know, like uh, the young lady that came with me, they told me, for the third time, they said, you're dying of AIDS. There's no way around it. My white blood cells were so low, I was on the verge of organ failure. I was on the wrong side of town. I stopped in a coffee shop. She come in behind me. We didn't know each other. And I told her about my book and my life a bit. And she said, well, let me pray. I know who's going to heal you. I was kind of gruff. I said, get away from me. But she wasn't having none, none of it. She said, no, I want to pray. I said, okay, go ahead and pray. She took out a little vial of oil and she prayed. I don't know, you know, I could scoff all I want, but as sure as I'm standing here, while she prayed, I knew something was happening. I didn't know what, I didn't understand it, but something was happening. She had faith, okay? I didn't, but she did. Anyway, I signed a copy of my book for her. We decided we'd meet every two weeks in the coffee shop. And then... For three months, we did that faithfully, and uh, she come in one day, and she's crying. I said, what is it with you Christian people? You're always crying. Watch this. this is, I get goosebumps thinking of this. She gave the book to her mother to read. Turns out, when she was born, she's my next, my next door neighbor. I didn't know her because she was a baby in a crib. That could be a coincidence or whatever, but a year and a half later, the uh, specialist, the AIDS, AIDS specialist calls me and says, I gotta see you right away, it's very important. I'm thinking, oh no, bad news blues again, right? So uh, I go in and he's scratching his head. He says, we can't figure it out, but 99%, there's no HIV in your body. And a lot of people go, Oh, yeah, but the pills they have now and this and that. You know what? To me, that kind of response is just blowing smoke 
because back in my day, there were no miracle pills. It was a needle in a haystack, okay? Anyway, he says to me, no HIV. And I've been undetectable ever since. That was 18 years ago. You know what? I'm so, so thankful each and every day. But you know what I'm more thankful for? For each and every one of you, because your heart is right, and I believe this, just like me, my prayer to God, I said, hey, big fella, if you're up there, I could sure use a hand. Did I believe any of that foolishness? No. But God saw that my heart was right and ripe and ready for a harvest of blessing. Look at me now today. Anyway, uh, God bless each and every one of you. I hope to see you again, and hopefully uh, you kind of understand. If you need the notes, what I, what I was reading tonight, Ask the pastor. I've left him a copy, and uh, he'll make sure each and every one of you get a copy. Thanks so much. Oh, uh, musicians, you want to come up and do your thing? Thank you for joining us for Saturday Night Life. If you want to learn more about this ministry, or if you want to talk to somebody about what you heard on this podcast, please email us at snl at nrchurch.ca. We'd love to get to know you better. Until then, be safe and be blessed.